All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're here recording uh, once again, like I said, uh, the episode 55 there, where it's kind of a hodgepodge of pieced together different clips here. Uh, we had episode 55 with Noah uh, talking about his book. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to go back and listen to that one uh, and hear about Noah's book, a little bit about the fantasy football philosophy. I don't want to give too much away, but it's definitely uh, definitely a good read, and you'll, you'll want to listen to that interview for sure. But we're here, episode number 56, and we're going to be talking about a little fantasy football, this or that, based on the ADP uh, pairings of two versus two and uh, which pairings you would like to take based on the ADP and the player selected. So that's kind of what we're focusing on today. Uh, but we also got Noah on again for the two part, like we mentioned. So he's going to be here for episode 56 and helping us talk about a little bit of ADP, this and that. So um, I guess without further ado, uh, we're going to send this one over to a pre-recorded ADP conversation of this and that and hope you enjoy episode 56. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, like I talked about um, at the end of 55, uh, if you haven't already done so, message us on social media. Uh, we're going to be uh, dropping the charity league right away here too. So if you want a chance at winning one of our signed jerseys, we got three already on the way in there, three pretty good ones. Uh, you want to make sure that you comment on our social media and let us know that you'd be interested in the charity. Uh, more details obviously come from that in our social medias, but uh, obviously if you want a, your chance to be in the league, don't, uh, don't hesitate. Definitely get, uh, get into our DMS and we'll, We'll hopefully be able to lock down a spot for you. So hopefully you enjoy episode 56 and uh, hope to hope to see and hear more about show 57 with more details following um, our charity league. So take care, everybody, and enjoy the uh, this or that. All right. I'd like to welcome back Noah Lieberman. Uh, we had him on in episode 55. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one, uh, you're going to want to go back and listen to He's the uh, new published author of his fantasy football book. If you haven't read, haven't watched that episode yet, you'll go back and get it to know, get to know Noah a little bit there, but we got him on for part two here um, for this episode of 56. And we're doing the segment of this or that. So I'll introduce that topic a little bit, and then we'll kind of start getting into some of the uh, details. So this or that, uh, it's draft season. Uh, we're getting into mock drafts. We're doing practicing, whether it's your actual drafts, what, whatever have you. Um, you're going to be caught in a position where you're going into the draft with maybe a little bit of strategy, and then maybe that strategy doesn't go the way you want it to. So uh, we got some situations where two players um, compared to another two players that are kind of all in the same boat. For example, the first one is a round one RB and a round three wide receiver, or would you rather have the first round wide receiver and the third round RB. And then we threw a couple names in there to kind of give placeholders, um, obviously ADP time of year. Some of these guys are going to be going up, some of them are going down, uh, but we're going to kind of argue why maybe one is going to be better than the other. If you listen to episode 55, you're going to know that uh, none of us uh, of the four of us go into the NFL or going to our fantasy draft, sorry, with a, a set strategy because we've been there around the block long enough. You go into strategy, Sometimes it gets thrown to the wind pretty quick, but uh, here's some things that maybe consider that will help you out when it comes to draft season. So uh, we might as well get to it. Uh, the first one we got here, like I mentioned, is the wide receiver one and a third round RB or a first round RB and a third round wide receiver. So this one, this or that, would you rather have Austin Eckler in the first and Michael Pittman Jr. in the third 
or would you rather have Cooper Cup in the first and James Connor in the third? Uh, so maybe we'll start off with we got uh, we got special guest Noah. We'll let Noah maybe take this one first and uh, and maybe give us some reasons why he's leaning one or the other. Ooh. So on this one, I like Eckler and I like Pittman. Uh, I think that Matt Ryan is really going to elevate that offense. And Pittman is a star in the making. Uh, I just don't think that the Colts get quite as much uh, fantasy relevance or, or talk about as some of the other teams. I think if people talked about the Colts more than Michael Pittman might even be going higher. Uh, and Eckler is just a pass catching machine and he scored 20 touchdowns last year. Like he's not, he's not going to go score 20 touchdowns again, but I mean, it's hard to replace a guy like Austin Eckler on your fantasy roster um, cup for as long for as good of a season as he had, there's absolutely no way he'll put up anything close to that. Again, I, I think that we can all kind of realize this. And look, even 80% or 75% of his season last year would still be a great season. Uh, I think I'd still rather have Eckler uh, as kind of my base uh, and then Pittman as my wide receiver one. Uh, and then Connor, kind of the same thing, right? He had 15 touchdowns last year. Not that he can't, or 15 rushing touchdowns. Not, not that he can't have a lot of touchdowns again, but I don't know if I necessarily trust Cliff Kingsbury to give him everything. Um, he's pretty all over the map, I think, with his usage and his players. So, uh, anyway, that's my that's my answer. Eckler and Pittman. Go to Zach. Zach, do you agree or disagree? No, I agree completely. I think both Eckler and Cup are are pretty well locked in to finish as you know, top twelve players at their position. But I think Pittman has a real chance of finishing top twelve as a dark horse at his position where I don't think Connor's going to be in a position to repeat this year. So I think just having the two better players on the Eckler Pittman side, I would tend to lean that way myself. Armin. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Pittman as well. Um, I think he's going to take a huge leap forward this year. Um, third round might even be a steal for him. Um, and Connor, it, and Cup both hard to repeat the performances they had last year, especially in the touchdown category. Um, and Eckler is just so versatile, and he's a he's a guy that's every down. And I'm not buying into Spiller. I don't like him that much, but maybe football wise, he might see the field more than we might want to see, and that might be why people are a little worried about Eckler. But uh, Connor also he he has a bit more injury history, and he. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't shown that he's as versatile as Eckler. I'm going to Lone Ranger this. I'm, I'm going to go opposite. Part of it, I think, is my love for James Conner. Um, and I know you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury, and yeah, he's not the most creative head coach out there, but uh, they do love running between the tackles, uh, especially in the red zone. So I'm hoping to get that production from James Conner. He did get quite a bit of work in the receiving room, which I don't think is going to happen as much, but just a bet on – Cooper Cup is a as a bet I want to make because even if you eliminate all of his twenty touchdowns, twenty touchdowns, was it twenty? I can't remember. If you eliminate all the touchdowns Cooper Cup had last year, he still finished as like the wide receiver seven. So that's an incredible season, and that's a guy that I want to make a bet on. I'm a little bit concerned about a Rob and the thought I, I thought he was washed, and now he's looking pretty good. Uh, so that is a little bit concerning. Um, I was also the Austin Eckler guy beating the drum last year that I thought he was going to have a huge year and. I just don't see that same year coming, um, but I'm going to bet on the guaranteed production and the guys that have done it where Michael Pittman were hoping makes that jump. And I agree with you guys. I think he can make the jump, but I'm going to bet on the guys that I've seen, seen do it and not on the 
optimism that they can do it. So I'm going to lean more of that direction, but that's just my personal preference. But I also love James Conner. I think he's a steal in the third round. So that, that probably helps uh, sway things a little bit too. Next one we got is the fifth and seventh round, and we're going with wide receivers and tight ends. So maybe this one, I will start with Zach with this one. Uh, we got in the fifth round, DJ Moore paired up with seventh round Dallas Goddard, uh, Eagles tight end of uh, Noah's favorite team over there. He's repping the shirt. Um, and then we also have in the fifth round, the tight end Darren Waller paired up with the seventh round wide receiver, wide receiver Elijah Moore. So this is the battle of the wide receiver Moores here. Which one do you like more, Zach? More, more, or more. How do you say wide receiver again, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I just picked up on that one. Um, this one's actually uh, maybe one of my favorite questions that we have today, um, just because I could argue either side. Um, to, for me, I think it comes down probably favoring the, the Elijah Moore and the Darren Waller side. Um, Darren Waller this time last year was being drafted as a for sure top three tight end, maybe top two tight end in some leagues, um, coming off the past two seasons where he finished as a, as a top three tight end. Um, last year was a real dip in production. And now this year we have Adams, we have Renfro trying to, you know, come back from that big breakout season. So, I think Waller's going to be in a position where he won't be receiving as much attention uh, from defenses and potentially in a spot where he may bounce back in a way that, you know, puts him back at that upper echelon of tight ends. Um, being a Pats fan, having watched uh, more with the Jets twice last year, um, I do think he's going to be a really good receiver. Um, I would, you know, even before the injury, a little hesitant with uh, Zach Wilson, but I think Zach Wilson, if he's going to be healthy and, you know, maybe he'll take a step forward and that step forward is going to help more take a step forward. So I would tend to go with Elijah Moore and Darren Waller. Armand, do you agree or disagree? I actually disagree. You're um, a Goddard guy though. Armand's a Goddard <laughs> guy. I sold him though. Um, that's because I have pits though. So um i'm on this side because i i haven't bought into the hype of elijah moore and partially part of that is the jets as well um hoping they eventually get better here to see some changes in the nfl and see some of those guys get a little bit better but uh i'm sticking with dj moore and dallas goddard um Waller when he was healthy he he did put up points but if you look at their points per game um Go Goddard and Waller were actually very close last year um so that's why maybe take Goddard in the two rounds later and take DJ Moore who quietly put up I think it was like 1200 yards last year and people don't really realize how how good he he still was last year even in all that turmoil that they had in Carolina with uh, Darnold not playing too well, Cam Newton coming in and everything. Um, and you could still rely on DJ Moore last year. So if they figure it out this year and, and Mayfield, I, I think is a step up to, to Darnold there. So I, I think DJ Moore should have a even better season this year than he did last year. 
Um, so yeah. I'm just trying to pull it up. Didn't he finish with only one touchdown last year too? More? Oh, four touchdowns. Four, yeah. Still, yeah, like. So there should be a hopefully a positive touchdown regression there as well. I remember when he came out absolutely flying through the gates in that first, was it two weeks? Or first week, mm-hmm. first three weeks, I can't remember it was. And everybody thought, oh my goodness, here's that connection with him and Darnell. This is going to be electric. And then it just, the wheels fell off so <laughs> fast. It was incredible. Uh, Noah, do you, uh, who are you agreeing with here, Zach or Armin? Oh, it's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with Moore and Goddard. Uh, just because I don't think that the gap between Waller and Goddard is as big as some people might think it is. Um, over the past few years, Goddard kind of come into his own, especially with Zach Ertz leaving. Uh, and if you look at his point per game after Ertz got traded to Arizona, like it, it was right up there with some of the top tight ends in the league. Um, and then DJ Moore is still a great player. Like, I, I think that people sometimes have fatigue on a guy when he's supposed to put up, you know, you think he could put up 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, and he comes a little bit short of it. People kind of get fatigued about a player. And even though he's still a solid contributor, like, people just kind of tend to look the other way. But, yeah, once again, he put up, like, 1,150 yards or 1,200 yards and four touchdowns. Now he has a better quarterback. I don't see how those numbers necessarily go down at all, if not go up. So, yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore is exciting because he's young and he's on an up-and-coming offense. But young and up-and-coming doesn't necessarily lead to steady production. And so I would go with DJ Moore and, and Dallas Goddard here. Oh, I – Zach, good for you for getting this question up here, by the way. This is a tough one. I'm leaning towards your side as well, the Darren Waller side. Um, mostly because the wide receivers, the leagues, at least that I'm contributing in the wide receivers, I like to get one in those early rounds and then try and get some, uh, some high upside players for my wide receiver two threes. And Elijah Moore kind of fits that bill for me where DJ Moore, I see is that steady wide receiver. Um, and if I'm picking him in the fifth round it'd probably be my wide receiver two. Um, and I like to shoot for the stars a little bit. And that's kind of where my Elijah Moore is going at. Cause I think he has, uh, serious room for improvement in a sophomore season um, and also it kind of also shares my opinion on Dallas Goddard right now which is concern um, I'm a huge AJ Brown fan uh, he's a big body receiver and I think because of Jamar Chase a lot of people are sleeping on Devonta Smith who sneaky had an incredible rookie season just because like you look at how good Waddle was and how good Chase was well Smith didn't have a terrible season either. actually when it comes to rookie numbers he actually was very very good so in a offense that doesn't pass the ball as high as other offenses uh, with a mobile quarterback and then an offensive system that has historically relied on the run game, it's going to be hard to share the ball with three people, especially in a onesie position like a tight end. I don't like spending that high draft cap in the seventh round on somebody that might only see the ball periodically and is not a facet of the offense. And that's kind of where I'm leaning towards where Dallas Goddard is. So that's where I kind of go back to where Darren Waller um, has always been a perennial point, a point, part of the offense. Uh, Devonta, Devonta Adams coming, I think, actually is going to help him a little bit too, maybe in the touchdown department where he historically has not been great. Um, so that's kind of also why I'm leaning that direction. And this is like we're splitting hairs here because I could easily make arguments for both sides. But I think the biggest part when I looked at these four players was my concern for Dallas Goddard and the Eagles offense with just the they paid A.J. Brown a ton you're going to use AJ Brown a ton. So I think that's uh, part of the reason why I don't want to spend a seventh round capital on a tight end. So that's where I'm kind of leaning at. But See, I'd be last... the opposite of you with, with Adams. 
um, and him helping Waller and, and getting touchdowns, I think he might hinder him. I, I could see Adams having more of a negative impact on Waller's touchdowns than AJ Brown on Goddard's touchdowns in, in my mind, just because I, I see Adams as more of a red zone threat than, than AJ Brown, to be honest. I still think Waller can succeed because he's never been a touchdown guy. Like he's, his, he's put up big numbers without being a touchdown guy. So he is like the, the reality is, I mean, we are speculating, but the reality is he's probably going to lose yardage to Vontae Adams. That's just going to happen. They paid him big money to come in. That's just going to happen. But he's never had to rely on touchdowns where now Devontae Adams is excels in the red zone. They're going to have to prioritize him in the red zone where before it was, who else? <laughs> you had Darren Waller and then periodically you had sprinkle in maybe Zay Jones and the other wide receivers that were in the mix. So now I think it might actually open up avenues and a big body in the red zone. Hopefully that's optimistic, optimistic speak. But, uh, hey, hey, you know what though? Don't you sleep on third and Renfro. Okay. <laughs> Hunter Renfro had a thousand yards and nine touchdowns last season. Yeah. So we're talking about guys that might take it away. Like on those third downs, like he'd run a little quick in and out routes or he'd cut to the outside or he'd have these little things where Derek Carr would just kind of like thread the needle into Hunter Renfro. That was such a dangerous play. I don't see that going away anytime, anytime soon. Like I, I think Adams is going to get his and Waller might get some of his, but I still think that Renfro is going to be a much bigger part of this offense than people are giving him credit for. And I would love it, especially an undrafted guy. Remember when uh, I was not undrafted, sorry. I'm thinking, um, was it on non-recruited? Because it was the, he got the walk on awards I'm thinking of, right? Clemson. Mm -hmm. Were you, was that you with us, with us, Zach, when we watched that game at Germs's? That Clemson yeah. game, there was like yeah, that national oh, championship oh, game. Oh, him wow. and that Watson. Was Renfro, that was Renfro Watson, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I hope so. He had a man. He had a great year. He got paid, which is awesome to see. But um, I, I don't know. I, I was going to ask you, know, what's what's your expectations with Goddard now? With just obviously AJ Brown's in town. He's gonna he's gonna get his work. So is this like? Do you see that as a negative, or or are you kind of same same idea I have with with Waller? I guess in, in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because last year for the first half of the season, the Eagles were passing the ball at a top 10 rate in the league. And then in the second half of the year, they were passing the ball the least amount in the entire NFL. They just went through a complete identity shift. And so I think that with A.J. Brown there, they're going to be forced to pass the ball a bit more. Like he, he's going to be open down the field and they're going to have to throw him the ball a bit more. So I think that there's going to be more red zone opportunities. And I think that the drives are going to take less time because if you watch Eagles games last year, like their average length of drive was pretty long because they would just slowly and methodically move the ball up the field with running and with read options and with quick little passes and whatnot. So I think that you're going to get more drives per game from Philadelphia. And I think that they're going to have more red zone opportunities. And so while the yards might come down a bit, I don't see the touchdowns coming down a bit from Goddard. I, I could still see him getting eight touchdowns this year and I wouldn't be surprised by it at all. Awesome. And we got the third one here. We'll start this one with off with Armand. Uh, and we got another tight end question on this one, but this we're going second round and sixth round and a little more specific late second round and mid sixth round, just to help you out with those ADP people at home. Uh, so the first, this or that we have late second round pick Mark Andrews tight end from Baltimore paired up with a middle sixth round Cortland Sutton wide receiver from the Denver Broncos, or would you rather have the late round Tyreek Hill uh, late second round Tyreek kill of Miami and the mid sixth round tight end of TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit lions. Which one are you leaning towards their Armand? 
I am leaning towards Henders and Sutton actually here. Um, this one was a little bit of a tougher one um, just because Andrew's ADP has skyrocketed since last year, but he also did prove it last year that he, he is a premier tight end in this league. He's still pretty young too, right? Um, and I don't see it uh, slowing down too much here for Andrews in, in Baltimore. Um, people might be worried about Rashad Bateman um, now being able to, to play the season and being a sophomore season, and they're all excited about him. But we got to forget that last year was uh, Hollywood Brown's kind of almost breakout season, right? And Andrews still put up a big season um, with that happening. And uh, it'll just be, be more of the same for Andrews. He'll, he'll get his, his targets. He'll get his uh, red zone targets as well. And then um, now after this Tim Patrick injury, I think that makes it a little bit easier in Denver to, uh, to pick either Judy or Sutton and, and be pretty confident that uh, Wilson will be able to support both those guys. The question before was there's, there's three of them who's going to be the guy there. But I think with two of them, like you look back at Seattle with uh, Metcalf and Mockett there, um, he's able to support two guys that are, very relevant fantasy assets so Sutton could be a huge steal and in the mid six like I I could see wide receiver one like uh not the top wide receiver but being a wide receiver one in his range of outcomes this year um whereas you're you're paying for wide receiver one with Hill whereas Sutton could be a huge steal and and be a wide receiver one for your team the amount of people that are putting out the articles this time of year, who is going to be the new Cooper cup this year's Cooper cup. There's the same three people. It's just the same three people we've seen be <laughs> with a new quarterback. It's, it's Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Juju Smith Schuster. It's the same three in every article, but I mean, there's a lot of le legitimacy to it, right? Cortland Sutton, we've seen him put up 1200, I think he put up a 1500 yard season the one year uh, other than the ACL injury that happened the year following. He's a big body receiver. That's been good. Jerry Judy is high on the separation uh, per route run. So that's a possibility, but same wide receiver room. And obviously Juju, we see him do it with, with Pittsburgh and now with Mahomes, anything's possible. But uh, I like the arguments he had there uh, towards that side, but I'm curious to see if Noah, do you agree with him or do you disagree? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I've never been that big on the Mark Andrews train until last year. Um, and his ADP is so high, but I want to do it just because I get Corlin's like honestly if you meet Corlin Sutton or Tyreek Hill this year just a one-for-one -one trade I honestly don't even know who I would take I have them ranked pretty similar and so for me to go from Andrews to Hawkinson is such a massive upgrade that to me it's really a no-brainer Zach uh, somebody should have told Noah that the hot takes are for the end of the episode <laughs> the middle um that might be a pretty spicy trade there, the uh, the Sutton Hill swap. But I, I am going to go, uh, it might be chalk here, but I'll go with uh, Armin and Noah here. I'll take the uh, Andrews and Sutton side. Um, I think this is the first time Sutton's had a legitimate NFL quarterback throwing him the ball. So pretty excited about that. Has never had fewer than 700 receiving yards uh, in a season minus that one injury season. And uh, Mark Andrews showed that he's essentially QB proof, had a great season with uh, Huntley and hopefully Jackson's healthy this year for the entire season. So I think wheels up for both those guys. 
I was, I had more shares of Mark Andrews last season in the fifth round than I had of any player in all of my leagues. And man, was that awesome. But the rest of my team stunk. So I clearly only won one league, but I think I'm with you on this one. First of all, I think Tyreek Hill's ADP is too high. Um, I'm thinking if that gets to the middle third to the back end third, I'm, I'm wheels up with Hill. Uh, I just obviously just traded for him in our dynasty league for those of you listening at home. Remember that conversation. Uh, so I just think that the chance of him finishing outside of a wide receiver two is just impossible. So he's going to add some steadiness to my roster, but in this situation, where I'm going two for two. I just like the other side better. I just don't think Mark Andrews can repeat what he just did last year, but I still think, you know, once again, my argument, the last one was a onesie position. You want a difference maker at that position. I think Mark Andrews is a difference maker. We've seen TJ Hawkinson have flashes and it kills me as a Lions fan to say this, but there's so many different opportunities of success there. We've got Amon Ross St. Brown. We've got um, Jamison Williams when he gets healthy. We've got TJ Hawkinson, and we've already talked about my love for, I, um, I'm thinking top five year for Swift this year. So that just kind of leaves somebody outside looking in with Jared Goff that can't support all those weapons. That's just the, that's just the matter of fact. So uh, I'm leaning with you guys. I, I like Hill and I like Hawkinson a lot, and I'd be happy to add one of those on the team, but just, I think it's the Sutton that sells me. It's, we could be wrong. Remember last year we were pumping the train. It was Cooper Cup versus Robert Woods and everybody, lots of people were leaning Robert Woods. And then it was the other right now. ADP says everybody thinks it's Judy because uh, Judy's ADP is actually higher than Cortland Sutton right now. So it's, it's an interesting conversation, but I, I lead myself on the Sutton side as well. And I think I, I agree four for four here on this one. All right. So we got our fourth one here. Uh, four with uh, so three remaining. And this is between the fourth and the seventh round. All of them are middle round picks. Um, and I'm curious to see where this one goes because this is, I mean, they, a lot of people say the first three rounds is kind of, you know, you can go chalk and you'd be fine, but it's towards those middle to late rounds is where you kind of start to be able to pull your team apart from other teams based on maybe your thoughts and who you think is going to take that leap forward this coming year. And maybe in these fourth to seventh round is where some of these things might happen for you. So in the first one, we got fourth round, Josh Jacobs running back from the Las Vegas Raiders paired up with Gabriel Davis, Gabriel Davis in the middle seventh round uh, wide receiver two for the Buffalo Bills. Um, compared to we got in the middle fourth round, we got Mike Williams wide receiver from the Los Angeles Chargers. And the middle seventh round, we got Chase Edmonds RB from the Miami Dolphins. So we'll go back to Noah and we'll see what he's got to figure on this one. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that it's pretty one-sided for me, at least. I'd be going with Williams at Edmonds, um, basically without a second thought on my mind. Um, every report that we've seen from Jacobs this year has not been positive, at least. And maybe it's just people overstating something and he'll still be the lead back and he'll still put up a thousand yards. I could be wrong. It might happen. But for me, at least, I think Williams has huge upside with Herbert still as his quarterback. Herbert's only getting better. And they paid Chase Edmonds to come in and be the guy, right? Like he might not get as many snaps or as large of a snap share as some of the other top running backs in the league, but he's always been productive when he's on the field. And he's a guy that I think will fly under the radar for a lot of teams. Although now there's a lot of kind of sleeper articles about him and whatnot, but yeah, I would, I would take him in a heartbeat. I'll go to uh, Zach and then Armin. Zach, you agree? Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, I think that's a slam dunk. Uh, like Gabe Davis could be that wide receiver two in Buffalo, but he could very well be wide receiver three again and, and not be getting the type of production that either Williams or Edmonds will. So give me the, uh, 
Williams Edmonds side quite easily. Armand. Yeah. You know, we're, we're getting close to consensus here on this one again. Uh, Jacob scares me a little bit. Um, even though he is, he is going cheaper than he's ever gone before, I think at the mid fourth. Um, but, uh, and Kenyon Drake doesn't scare me. It's more Zamir White, honestly, that scares me in that backfield. I'm, I'm thinking he might be able to steal that job over anyone else there. And there's a lot of hype around Davis this year. And when we come draft time, he might be getting reached for. You might not even get him in the mid seventh. And like Zach was saying, might he has a wide, wide range of outcomes that could happen. So Williams and Edmonds, um, safer bets higher ceiling potentially for both and uh, a bit higher floor potentially as well. Um, and like uh, Noah was saying, follow the money, you know, sometimes when you're in doubt, follow the money. This is another uh, consensus here. This, this is a slam dunk for me. Uh, maybe I put this one in selfishly cause I wanted to talk about this one, but <laughs> four, four, seven Williams Edmonds, if I can walk away with those two in every single draft, I'm going to be giggling. Part of that is because, Josh Jacobs fits in, and if you're paying attention to draft Twitter this time of year, I'm sure you've heard this common phrase quite a bit, the RB dead zone, where there's in that exiting the third round and towards the middle fourth round, and I think it kind of finishes around like round end of round five, middle round six, where there's a lot of running backs are going in that zone, and they're going there because nobody knows what to do with them. And yes, you can find a gem in there sometimes, but the numbers is like, I think it's two out of every like 15 running backs in that zone have produced over the past couple of years. So they call it the dead zone for a reason because you're sifting for gold and lots of times you're finding something that's not going to be very good. So unfortunately, Josh Jacobs finds himself in that position partially because of like what Noah had mentioned, a lot of those articles that they haven't been shining moments of Josh Jacobs' career so far. But it's also because of my infatuation for Mike Williams this year. I think he's approaching my guy's status for this upcoming year. And then just Chase Edmonds, he was unreal last year, even just as a receiving back for Arizona. And then like Armand said, follow the money. But I do like Gabe Davis. It's a risky pick. But just that Mike Williams, like I talked about already, if I can get a really good wide receiver one and then Mike Williams is my wide receiver two, I'm smashing it. So if I can leave with a running back in one, two, and then round three, four, I can go with those wide receivers. That's kind of my game plan. Once again, you go into the draft, the game plan, it never goes out the way you think. But Mike Williams in the fourth round has been automatic lock for me in my draft. So that was an, that was an easy pick for me as well. Um, going to this one, we're going to, who's next one? Is it Armand? Armand yeah. and Zach wrap it up. Um, so this one, this works out perfect for this one. I'm a little Viking talk for you here. Mm -hmm. uh, we got, this is round one, late round ones and early round eight. So there is a bit of gap here and a little bit of volatility that could happen between here, but some interesting names to talk about nonetheless. Um, so right now we've got Justin Jefferson and in the obviously late round wide receiver one from Minnesota. And we've got Ramondre Stevenson, an early eighth pick with the New England uh, Patriots. Then on the other side, we got Dalvin Cook as a late first round pick, the running back from Minnesota Vikings as well. And then we got Amonra St. Brown, who was an early eighth uh, I'm going to have to double check that one because that was as of a week ago. So that might be a little bit different now, uh, but nonetheless, Amandre St. Brown wide receiver from the Detroit lions. So Justin Jefferson or Mondra Stevenson or Dalvin cook and Amandre St. Brown. Oh, you're making me choose between two Vikings here. Yeah. Um, I, I like it though. Um, 
What I'm kind of looking at with this one is what comes after um, these guys in the second round. If you take those guys in the first round, what are you looking at? And um, I'm actually becoming a big fan of taking Jefferson in the first round. Um, get that uh, consistency of his. He has potential to be wide receiver like one on the season right especially with this new offense they're bringing in it's supposed to be more of an air raid offense and then looking at who my who i could take as my my starting rb right after him um would be my guy nick chubb <laughs> so um i'm, I'm gonna big... pause for a second there armin I just looked at the ADP and Amonra's got up a little bit. So I can change the running back to Miles Sanders if that helps sway your opinion a little bit. So I'll, I'll throw that little tidbit in there if you want to swap Ramondre for Miles Sanders, if that helps sway you a little bit just because they're a little bit closer in ADP than Amonra and Ramondre are. So just keep that in the back of your mind if that maybe changes you a little bit. Okay. Okay. I'm still sticking with this side. Um you know, you, you have the risk when you draft those high-end RBs of an injury, and I think Jefferson is is a safer bet. And like I said, he could be the wide receiver one on the season even. Um, and then I really, if we keep it as Stevenson, I do like Stevenson in the early eighth round. Um, and then Sanders as a starting running back for a team that late. Um, where did you say he was going again now? Uh, they're going, well, Amandra is more in like the middle seventh towards the back end seventh, not the early eighth, where Amandra is right, right in the middle, early eighth. Miles Sanders is kind of middle seventh. So Miles right. Sanders is a little bit closer ADP, but I mean, it's, you can go either direction, I suppose. I'm just giving you a little bit of just, just because there is a bit of volatility between the two ADPs. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I like that idea. Like Stevenson could be in line for a huge workload in New England. Um, he was really good last year. You saw him be able to play all three downs and have a high capability of doing that. And with James White retiring, and we know how short of these rookies have. So Pierre Strong Jr., he could play a role. He might not. Who knows? I think Stevenson, um, in my mind, is actually the, the back to own in New England's backfield. And like I said, if you can get Miles Sanders in the mid-seventh starting running back, you know, like that's, that's pretty big as well. So I'm sticking with Jefferson and Stevenson or Jefferson and Sanders either way. Uh, Zach, do you agree or disagree? Uh, this one's complicated. I think Armin laid out a really good argument. Um, sticking with the, uh, the Jefferson Stevenson slash Sanders side, that is one way that you could go with like a, a hero uh, RB build, uh, obviously contingent on taking, uh, a running back with that second round pick, but somebody like Sat, yeah, Sanders or Stevenson in the middle of your draft would be, you know, a really good gamble. I think a high upside gamble, especially with Stevenson. But like, looking at Cook and looking at St. Brown, those are two guys that could quite easily finish top twelve in their position. Um, I know St. Brown really, really turned it on towards the end of the year. <laughs> last year and that's how he got to wide receiver 21 in half point scoring and it's probably unrealistic to expect uh him to sustain that success for an entire 18 game 17 game season um but i might have to go with the cook st brown side and then noah do you agree or disagree like who are you guys i guess who are you siding with here 
Yeah, I think that in a vacuum, it's a lot easier to go with Jefferson and Stevenson, but you just don't know who your running back's going to be, right? Like it, like you, you, if you're using your first round pick on Justin Jefferson, you don't know who's going to be there on on the turns. So I think that uh, in a vacuum, I would definitely take uh, Jefferson and Stevenson because it's just an easier, it's an easier pick. I think they're two higher upside players, but if you do take Jefferson, it seems like you're going to have to use mid to high first round pick in order to get him, And so you don't know who your running back is going to be on the other side of that. And I'm not that confident in the guys that are going in the late second round as the running backs, a guy like a Fournette, for example, or even a Chubb this year in Cleveland with Brissett probably is the quarterback. I'm not that confident in. So I'd probably end up taking Cook and uh, St. Brown. So even though I, I like Jefferson and I really like Stevenson, I just can't risk not having a good player, I think, on the back end. And I'd still end up going with Cook and, and St. Brown. I think I agree with you on that one. Um, I, I like the upside of Dalvin Cook. And people forget he was going like 102 in some drafts, 101 last year in redraft formats. Um, and they say, you know, he got the injury tag, injury tag, but all running backs are injured. I think he's also like his grand, grandpa passed away or something like that. So he missed a week because of that. Like he missed some time that wasn't necessarily just due to injury alone. Um, but a lot, of pe- a lot of people are starting to morph that into he missed time due to injury where it was o- outside things that kind of played into that as well. Uh, but I do like Dalvin Cook. I know they do want to transition to a little bit more of a passing offense in Minnesota this year, but that could be good for him too, because he's not the worst pass catcher in the league by any stretch of the imagination. So he might be able to get it in both assets of the game. And he also had one of the, like one of the lowest touchdowns per red zone per carry in the NFL last year. So I imagine that number is going to come up as well. And then just Amonra, he just, I have an infatuation with Amonra. I just, I hope he can, <laughs> even somehow do a, a, a similar repetition of last year because I don't think he is going to be that 30 point guarantee like he was for three weeks in a row that carried me all the way to my championship and he was my was the was the guy that literally carried me to my very first win in that dynasty league so I, I love Amonra in in not only NFL but my fantasy team as well I just don't think it's repeatable but I think he is going to come with steady production and to get him in that late of the round I, I think to be able to pair those together, like you mentioned, in a vacuum, uh, I, I like that quite a bit. Um, who's to say what happens when when um, Jameson comes around? You might see his numbers deplete a little bit as well, but I do like Amonra, and it's hard not to bet on a guy that's already done it. And when he got that game-winning touchdown against, was it the Vikings, Armand? Was it the Vikings to finally break their winless drought there? Um, to get that one with zero seconds on the clock, I got I got to like him a little bit more in fantasy than than in uh, NFL too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you guys on that one. I'm gonna go Dalvin Amonra just because I'm locking in that RB one right off the hop, and it gives me more flexibility later on in the draft. And our last one, we'll throw to Zach, and this one's gonna have a little bit of quarterback conversation in this. And for a long time in the industry, people were trying to push people away from going early quarterback. You know, you can find good value in late round quarterbacks. Um, and maybe I'm going to see where everybody else is on that now, because some people are arguing, you know, if you get that elite quarterback and the first time somebody's gone back to back QB ones in a long time, which was Josh Allen, the last two seasons, is he possible to do it again and carry your fantasy team at that onesie position? So we got a late second round pick, tagged with a mid seventh round pick. So the first one 
you can take Mike Evans, wide receiver from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, partnered up with the middle seventh round Dak Prescott, the quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys, or would you rather take the Josh Allen late second round? And he's like, he's like the two twelve. So you could even argue like early third, I guess as well. Uh, partnered up with mid seventh round Darnell Mooney, wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. And Zach, you can lead the way on this one. This one's fun. Um, I think I'll stay. I'll stay vanilla, and I'll go Mike Evans, Dak Prescott. Um, Mike Evans, he is like the the Honda Civic, the Ford Focus. Um, not sexy, but really dependable. Um, eight years of at least a thousand yards receiving. Um, and I think six out of those eight years, eight or more uh, touchdowns. Uh, Dak Prescott has shown over the course of his career, very capable at quarterback, pretty dependable. Uh, minus, I think it was two years ago where he got hurt. Um, and then on the other side, you got Josh Allen, who uh, you don't have to argue about him. He's he is who he is. He's outstanding. Uh, Darnell Mooney could really be a uh, you know a further breakout candidate from what he did last year. I think he could put up bigger numbers than he did last year, but. I got to go with Mike Evans and Dak Prescott, I think. Armin, agree, disagree? Oh, this one is a really tough one um, because I have never really been a guy to take an early quarterback. And I thought maybe I'd look at it from an economics perspective on fantasy points per game from last year even. And the difference is like point something of a point when you add both Josh Allen and Mooney together, and then Evans and Prescott together. I'll just throw through that was completely accidental. That was not on purpose, <laughs> but this makes this more juicy. Yeah, so it's actually super, super close here. Um, but what I'm going to say is Mike Evans, even though he's dependable, um, there's a lot of, well, at the beginning of the season, he might start off hot, um, but you might see a touchdown regression there, um, whereas Josh Allen, he's going to put up a ton of points throughout the season and Darnell Mooney could increase his, uh, his production from last year for sure. Um, and he's definitely got better quarterback play this year. Um, so you should see, you should see that increase and I'm going to go with Allen and Mooney on this one, just, uh, as I'm, I'm hoping for, for the upside on this one. Cause I think the floor for both sides is relatively the same when you look at the floor. So you go to the upside side. And Noah, I guess you can once again, split, split the hairs here. He's <laughs> back. He's lit with arm. And... Uh, this is so tough because I've always been of the opinion that you can look at the average points per game of quarterbacks in fantasy football, and they will tell a story. Obviously you need to use averages, but come playoff time, like you need guys with ceilings because you're going to be playing against other good teams and chances are somebody's going to go off. And so for me, like obviously Josh Allen, I would say Josh Allen probably has the highest ceiling probably of any quarterback on any given week. You could argue maybe Herbert or maybe Mahomes or Lamar Jackson actually probably too, but I, I still think Josh Allen has the highest ceiling where he can put up 40 points sometimes. And I don't think... 
I think that I'm willing to stick with Allen and Mooney just for that reason, because come playoff time, if Allen is going to put up 40 points for you, then it's going to be a weak winner. And I want that upside over a guy like Dak Prescott. Um, and I think I'm willing to trade off Evans for Mooney in order to do it. Yeah, this one's in, this one's a tough one just because like, if you swap one player for somebody else in that round, then maybe it's going to be the deal breaker. You know, like late second, maybe you swap out Evans for – I'm trying to think of other second-round wide receivers that are going around that range where it's like maybe you like that second-round wide receiver more. Debo, yeah, C.D. Lamb. Debo, C.D., then, then I'm probably going with the C.D. Dak stack, you know, like – and I, I do like Dak a lot. I traded for him in Dynasty uh, last season, just hoping to be able to buy low off the injury and make him come back. And he did have an, an okay year. It wasn't spectacular by any means, but we haven't seen that rushing comeback. And obviously, Zach, what's that code you call it all the time? The the rushing code or whatever? you told oh, the, the Konami. The Konami yeah. code, thank you. Um, it's You need a rushing quarterback in fantasy football. They don't need to be the Lamar Jacksons that are putting up 1200 yards a year. You don't need that. You just need somebody that can put up three, 400 yards. That's going to help you throughout the season. If they can accumulate 40 yards or 30 yards rushing throughout the game, well, that's an extra three points. That's just a baseline for your team. Um, where Dak was, he was a rushing quarterback, not a, not crazy, but he could escape the pocket and get you those extra cheap yards. We just haven't seen him come back from that yet. And I'm hoping now that there, you know, the, the reports are saying that he's healthy. He's ready to go. That, might come back with uh, an increased rushing, but it's hard to bet on a guy to start doing it more when they get older. You know, he's a year older and a, a two years removed from this rushing platform we've seen. So it's tough to bet on Dak Prescott. And I will net, like, I'm just not the early quarterback guy. Like if, if you said, this is a Lamar Jackson in the, in the fifth round or, or maybe like, um, like a hurts in hurts in the sixth round, then, and I think that's an easy pick because those are guys I really like that have that rushing platform that I'm really attracted to. But uh, I, I still think I lean towards the Dak side just because of what I believe in Dak. Uh, I do like the I, I talked about this, I think it was last episode or two episodes ago. I do like the Dallas offense a lot this year. They were dealt kind of a tough hand last year because of how many pick sixes they got. They were the highest by a landslide in the NFL with pick sixes. And, you know, if you score points, that's points that your offense can't score because the defense did. So they were just dealt that hand where obviously the, a lot of their offensive numbers are going to be brought down in comparison. And I think that we're going to be surprised by Dallas's numbers, even though their weapons are a little bit lower than last year. So that's kind of where I lean towards that side. And then just if I could swap Evans out for maybe, you know, like a late second round RB instead, then that's an easy pick once again. But um, I, I just like the upside of a late round quarterback, Dak, uh, in comparison to put my eggs in the basket, but that's, that was a tough question, I think just by splitting hairs as well. So good conversation to be had because there's like Noah said, there's, there's some people like Noah that like the upside of having the best player at that position. It's like taking Travis Kelsey in the first round, you who have the best player at that position, but it costs you a little bit more to get them there where you can hope somebody later on can make it there. But more oftentimes than not, you're sitting there playing the waiver wire game, trying to pick up Jared Goff to play, for for your team because that's all you got left so it's it's sometimes gonna catch 22 playing that uh, upside game but any any comments about this uh about this this or that before we move on to the hot takes fellas oh all right so obviously we got a special guest again for this episode we got noah here so we're gonna let noah have the reins for this uh this hot take and 
Uh, I know Zach already figures he had uh, one spicy take before the episode, even before we're partway through. So we'll we'll see if this one's equally as spicy. So without further ado, we got some ice cold hot takes. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. All right, Noel, let's hear it. All right, so this is definitely a bit of a spicy hot take especially when you consider the season that he had last year. But my hot take for this year is that Allen Robinson scores more touchdowns than Cooper Cup. Which, which I think, and here's the thing. I'll, I'll preface by saying this. I was on the Robert Woods train last year, and obviously that didn't work out. But I think it obviously, but partly it worked out. It didn't work out because he tore his ACL, right? And if he didn't tear his ACL, I think that he would have had not as good of, obviously not as good of a year as Cup would have had, but I think that he wouldn't have been as far behind. And I think Cup's production would have slowed down a little bit if he had actually been in that offense for the entire year. Uh, Allen Robinson, to me, is a more talented deep ball threat. He's a more talented end zone receiver or red zone guy. Um, plus, I mean, Robert Woods had more touchdowns than Cooper Cup did a couple years ago. So, I mean, like Cup only scored like three a couple years ago, and, and Woods, I think, scored six. So, with Allen Robinson coming in, Cup is, I think more teams are going to key into Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if Stafford just threw him a ton of balls in the end zone, kind of like how he would with Calvin Johnson way back in the day. I'm sure the Lions fan in the room remembers those those glory days. Bring a tear to my um, eye, just both. Yeah. Uh, and so with Allen Robinson coming into the offense, my hot take is that he'll score more touchdowns than Cup. This is an interesting one, because if you go back and watch those games when OBJ joined the Rams, obviously it took a little bit of time to get amalgamated into the offense there. But um, like he he carried the load via touchdowns there, especially in the red zone. Um, he, before he blew his ACL during the Super Bowl, he caught you get two touchdowns. Like I'm pretty sure he got. Yeah. I think he, did. he blew it. He blew it right on that touchdown catch. I think it was mm-hmm. trying to trying to think back to exactly how it all unfolded. But like he was a and he he was and is still a big red zone target. I mean, you look at some of those historical catches he's had in in the, not only the red zone or or the end zone when he was with uh, uh, when he's with the Giants. Like he's he just got. He, there's some guys that have a knack for it, and there's some guys that just don't. We talk about Darren Waller. It's not a touchdown guy. That's just who he is. But there's guys that historically have put up big numbers in the red zone and I can see a pathway for I just I don't want to bet against Cooper Cup because he's proved me wrong before but I guess that's you know that's part of what makes this spicy is you can't you got to go against the grain a little bit right you, you know your your talk about OBJ there is is accurate with how much he was actually targeted once he came in and so seeing that path for Robinson is, is definitely there, especially if he can reclaim his, his glory days with the bears. I've been kind of off Robinson for a bit, but um, you know, Noah, you might be starting to push me towards seeing Robinson in a different light after talking about uh, Woods and, and OBJ here and, and how that all unfolded with the Rams. And if Robinson can be anything like he was before, he, he could put up some good fantasy numbers this year. And um, I mean, last year he, he looked washed up. Mooney took over, but uh, they also had terrible QB play and that offense is just bad in general. So um, yeah, this could definitely happened, but it's still pretty hot. 
camp camp news is high on Robinson right now too. So it's, it's hard. Like I went in and I felt the burns of Robinson last season, man. Like he was off my board, but now it's like, you're watching all these big catches and these big plays putting up in, in, in training camp right now. It's like, Oh man, is he going to suck me back in? Like, is this going to happen again? It's like you, like you talk about in your book, no, like you just, you more lean it towards, you know, you take the best player available, but like, we, we live with fantasy football burns in our lives. Like it just happens, you know, when you've been burnt by that player, you take them off your board and you just don't do it. And I know there was, I'm trying to think back a couple of years ago and it was Amari Cooper when the one guy in our league was like, nope, never taking Amari Cooper again, never take him again. He slipped into the fifth. And then I think it was, that was when he was with like the wide receiver four or something that year. And it's just like, you got to just forget, like you can't forget everything obviously because there's trends and stuff we can follow. But when those personal burns happen and then things change, you can't just keep following that path of like, no, I hate that guy. I can't drop. Like, I think the comparison the last episode you talked about was when you're an Eagles fan and that trying to get over the hump of being able to draft a Cowboys player, for example, or, you know, like you had a couple, a couple other examples, but like those are real and those are hard to get over. And that's kind of where I think myself and I imagine a lot of fantasy owners are with Robinson, but when you watch those videos, he just looks so damn good compared to what he did last year. It's incredible. And it's not like Robinson's washed necessarily either, just based on age. I just did a quick search and uh, Cooper Cup is born like June, late June of 93 and Robinson's August 24th, 93. So Cup's actually older than Robinson. Like, yeah, Robinson's coming off of uh, a down year and then a few years ago coming off an injury when he was in Jacksonville. But um, it's, it's not like he's, I don't know, like Julio Jones you know, pushing my dad's age around. So <laughs> like these guys are both 29 about to turn, uh, I guess 30. If you didn't have, if you didn't have the fact check to prove it there, Zach, I would have said that's a hot take in itself saying Cooper cups older than Alan Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, right. yeah, that's incredible. Right. But like, you don't think about like, cause Robinson has been in the league for so long and you remember him in Jacksonville and with Blake Bortles kind of wasting away for a while. And then in Chicago, wasting away for a bit, so he had like one good year and then kind of slowly kind of trajected down with their quarterback play. But um, he's still only 29, which is right. The same age as cup. It's about the same age as Devonte Adams. Like those guys are going in the first round end of the first round cups going in the top five. And he's still attached to a great offense. I think he's going to have more motivation this year. Certainly now he's going to be actually playing for a Super Bowl with a real chance to get there and real aspirations. Like OBJ, as soon as he went from Cleveland to LA, like it took him a couple of weeks. But after that, like his production skyrocketed because I mean, these guys are human, right? I mean, that's the only way to really think about it. it think about if you were on a team that was destined to either finish in last place or had no real shot of doing anything, wasn't getting you the ball, you were disgruntled. And then you get traded to a team like the Rams, like, it, or you sign there, like it, it's going to be so much, it's going to be so much easier to perform well and have a good attitude about everything to be in that culture, to be in that room. So yeah, I think as a, as a big body receiver going into the end zone, I, I don't see a reason why he couldn't score more. And I'm, I'm starting to buy more into the premise that he actually was kind of throwing last year away and just not really trying because like coming off what is ACL injury second year, if I remember correctly, Blues ACL year, yeah. it was when he was in Jacksonville and then playing under that franchise tag, there's no guaranteed money and you're playing for a bad team with no guaranteed money. It's, I can only imagine how frustrating that is, but I mean, you're kind of your professional football player, like you should be able to ball out whenever you can ball out, but 
I'm starting to buy more into that. And I know that was a rumor and that was a speculation. It started to look more legitimate just because of the, how, how he looks now compared to what he looked like last year. Like, but you said like you're human, you turn the switch on a little bit more when there's competition on the line and there's something to strive towards you, you find another gear and maybe, maybe that's the situation here. I'm not, I don't, I don't know, obviously speculating, but it's a possibility. Anything else to add here, fellas, before we wrap this one up? Maybe before we do, Noah, maybe just, if, if, if they haven't listened to episode 55 yet, maybe just give them a quick plug about your book uh, and then obviously where they can find that as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, my book uh, titled, I have it here, uh, titled, If You Think You Know Fantasy Football, Think Again. Um, it talks about all about the psychology and the philosophy and the economics behind fantasy sports. Uh, there's a little bit of a strategy there that I'll, I'll help you win your league, but it's mostly about the behind the scenes of the industry and, and answer some of the bigger questions like, you know, is it really healthy competition? What are the social dilemmas? Uh, is it gambling? Is it not gambling? How does that play into fantasy sports? Um, really kind of the bigger stuff that people aren't really talking about, but I think should be mentioned. Um, these guys have all read it. Um, it sounds like they like it at least. Um, you can uh, pick oh, yeah. up the book on uh, Amazon um, and then at some select bookstores in Winnipeg. Uh, and if you are, if you do happen to be from Winnipeg and you're listening to this, uh, I'll actually be doing uh, a book signing at Indigo in Winnipeg on August 20th. So you can come check me out there. Right trip, boys. <laughs> yeah, I know we do have one person. I don't know. Uh, well, he lives all over the place now, but he lived in Winnipeg for quite some time. So I might have to send him your way for sure. He was in our charity league for a little bit as well, too. So uh, obviously, big thank you for coming on for not only one episode, but two as well, Noah, to share your book, but to also share your insight in this upcoming fantasy season and play a little bit of game of this and that with us as well, too. So we thank you for coming on board. Um, obviously, thank you to 22 Fresh, our major sponsor of this fantasy football season. And uh, thank you, everybody at home, for listening to episode 56. On behalf of Zach Armin, myself, the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast, as well as our special guest, Noah, Thank you for listening to episode number 56. Uh, take care, everybody, and wait for 57. And don't forget, Charity Bowl, send your, uh, send your messages to our 306 Fantasy Football pages on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, to get yourself into this upcoming year, Charity Bowl. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care, and uh, let's talk soon.